Marie of Adventures in Contracting. I am one of your hosts, Leona Charles, the owner and CEO of SPC Business Consulting, where we do all things government contracts. Hi, everyone. This is Vivica, owner of the Brooks Group LLC, and we are all about getting people ready for their wow, the world of work. Right. So this episode, we kind of, we've been talking a lot about PPP and, and the things that are kind of keeping businesses from being able to get it and some of the, the struggles that we're seeing. So we came upon this great ideal um, of kind of classifying businesses in terms of neighborhoods mm-hmm. um, to kind of highlight where they are in the process of, of building a business and the kind of support that they need. So we came up with kind of three neighborhoods, the starter neighborhood for the startup businesses or the businesses that are just kind of coming to fruition who kind of need a little bit of everything. Um, then we have the, the middle class, which is the, um, the more mature companies that are well past the startup stage and are kind of in the growth stage. Um, and, and the differences that they need. And then we have kind of the wealthy um, companies, which are like your Fortune 500 companies that already have all the infrastructure in place that they need. And so one of the big things that, um, that you and I focused on was chart of accounts, right? Because PPP, the way that it, it has put everything is you need to have a relationship with a banker. Well, mm-hmm. if you're a starter home, you may not have that relationship set, right? If you're middle class, you do. And when we're talking about chart of accounts, what would you think that we're talking about? Different um, things that you're spending your funds on to have your business run. Right. So that's, that's perfect. A chart of accounts definitely is just basically how you're accounting for the money that's being spent in your business. The biggest difference is going to be you're not ideally you should not be spending business stuff from your personal account. Like there should be a separation of church and state there, right? You should definitely have your personal funds and they don't commingle with your business funds. And a chart of accounts basically just helps you break down the different types of accounts. Like you'll have your checking account, your savings account, um, your lines of credit, and you know, if you have like stocks or whatever, and those will, I mean, that's very, very simplistic, but that's basically what you're looking at with a chart of accounts. And as a government contractor, you should already, at whatever stage you're at, you should already be looking to do these things because when you get a government contract, you are charged with keeping track of every charge directly related to a specific contract. So you can't just say, okay, well, this is Heather. You know, she works 40 hours a week, so I'm just going to bill all of my contracts 40 hours a week. No, you, okay. if Heather works on five contracts, and she's working a little bit on every contract, you can only bill for the percentage that she works on that particular contract. So let's say I have one contract that Heather works 20% of the time on. I can only bill 20% of her 40 hours a week to that contract. And then when I bill the government, I have to bill specific to a line item that's linked to that specific contract. And as a business, you should be doing that anyways. You have more than one client, you should be keeping track of your costs for those individual clients as well as your personal expenses for the company in performing that that contract for that client or whatever service it is you provide. And that's something that you get into 
when you become a, a middle class company, you know, you, you pay more attention to it. But my philosophy is if you start doing that when you're small, when you're a starter home, it, it's not such a heavy lift when you get to be middle class. So what are I your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally think that's important. And as you're moving through, and I think that's great that you had mentioned the piece about just start it now so it's easy to integrate as you go build and expand your business. This is old hat for you. You've seen it. You've done it. You've practiced it on a smaller scale. So as you're incorporating larger contracts or additional business into your portfolio, you've already, you know, touched it, felt it, seen it, and then it's more of a seamless process. I wanted to ask you, Leona, what do you think, um, what are some tools you could use to keep that chart of accounts? So... I think you could do low-tech and high-tech. There are like a million um, expensive, expensive softwares that will keep your time and um, your billing straight, right? But if you're just starting up, you could also do this in Excel. You know, you could say, okay, this is my first client. Client 001 is X, Y, and Z company. Right, and so every hour that I work on this project, it's client 001, it's three and a half hours and a description of the work that you've done. It's that simple. That is enough for you to, if you have to do an audit or you have to do an explanation of charges, which you probably should be reviewing anyway to make sure you're not overbilling your clients, you know, you can go run down with them, okay, on this date, we charge three hours to you for this work. Boom, simple and easy. And then for situations where you have like the PPP, you know, where you have to say what your payroll is, it's easy for you to go and say, listen, we worked on average 160 hours a month on contract one. We worked 160 hours a month on contract two. Take it by the rate of the person who works on that contract and match your payroll. And it doesn't have to be complicated, right? It's just a matter of being organized. I think what the issue of people running into is that um, a lot of smaller businesses don't separate things out. They just kind of throw everything in a general pot, and then they bill for that. And I just think from an accounting standpoint, one, it's hard for you to understand what a project costs you to, to perform on it if you don't separate it out. You know, when you do training, you know how much it's going to cost you to put on a training, right? That's right, you, yes, because you want to make sure that you use it so that you're bidding appropriately. So how much are your instructors, how much is curriculum, how much is prep time? You know, so all of those things really are helpful um, as far as to, to help you get organized and to see if you're pricing correctly as well. You know, right. so I'm glad that you brought up um, looking at those different charters of account and when you're saying like you don't have to go and invest in anything that's super expensive or super complicated, just get started and get started with Excel. And using right. that, and like the way you said, you know, if we have, you know, client 001, and this is what we did for this client, this is how many hours, this is who worked on it, client 002, and then having it, segue, um, having it parsed out that way, and then it's right. easy to see. And I think it's also, not only, it's advantageous for you as a business, like we said, as far as pricing goes, but also when you're doing your report outs to your clients. I mean, instead of your client coming and asking you for a monthly report, you know, along with that invoice that you send in, if you send in, oh, we worked 80 hours on this, and this is how that time was divided, 
you know, so when they're paying that invoice, they're like, okay, we see exactly what it is that they've done. And, they, and it also lends value because you're being proactive and providing that information before it's just an invoice and like, what are we paying for? You know, so it also helps with the client, you know, helps with the client relationship. Because I think, too, one of the things with the PPP um, that came out, and when they're sitting up, you know, like I, you know, my students have heard me say, I'm going to set a hoop, I'm going to set a hoop on fire, so you're going to just keep jumping. <laughs> Once you have that practice, and we set it up that way so that when anything happens, you've kind of seen it, you've done it. Like, hey, I was successful doing this fire, I could do this again. And yeah. so a lot of times, a lot of people, with the, when the PPP came out, you know, people just weren't prepared and have those things in place. Right. Definitely I'm glad that you brought that, that up. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up, the whole customer part of it. Because, um, so I've had, you know, because I'm a consultant uh, and uh, obviously people have, you know, particular feelings about consultants and the work that they do, right? Yeah. And so I've had plenty of times where people have said to me, well, can you send me an itemized bill? To me, that is not a hard thing because I am old school and I like to track my hours. I literally put them, before I put them in the system, I put them on my uh, my Outlook calendar where I write the client number and I'll write a client charge and I'll do it, you know, kind of like in the calendar where you do a meeting um, so I can put the description of what I did um, and I'll put the, the client name and then when I go back for the week and I fill it all in, then I have everything, you know, down. And then when a client calls me, then I can say, oh, yeah, sure, it's fine. And I just pull it out of the system and I send it to them. Mm -hmm. And for me, as a smaller business, I feel like if a client reaches out to you and says, well, can you send me an IMI statement? The first initial <laughs> response, of, yeah, the first <laughs> initial response from most small businesses is annoyance, right? Oh, my God, I have to go back and now I have to figure all this stuff out. Mm -hmm. But if you just did it in the beginning, you Send know. With the invoice. You have to show your value. It, yep. it does. It takes the sting out of it. And then it makes you more marketable as a small business because it's like yep. I, when you work with people and you have to ask for every little thing, you know. If I mm -hmm. ask you for 15 copies, I should not have to tell you and staple it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a given. Here's 15 copies. I'm going to staple that. So here's yeah. the invoice. I want you to pay that, and this is what you're paying for. It's no different yeah. when you're in the grocery store. We are, am I getting value from this? How much yeah. does it cost? You know? and, and so I think that it's important. You know, it's just a success tip that has always helped me. And, um, you know, as far as building that relationship and keeping that relationship going with the client. Because, you know, as we all know, it's easier to, you know, customer loyalty, keep your client yeah. versus having to go out here and find new people. And then the other thing yeah. is it makes it easy to do business with you. Right. Right. And I, so I use online software for, for timekeeping, right? Mm -hmm. And all of my invoices What's are separated. What's the name of it? I, so I use WaveApps, which yeah, I use WaveApps, which is uh, it's free um, to keep your expenses and your accounting. I use a paid version only because I've, I have contracts, so I have to I have to do a little more uh, in detail reporting. Mm -hmm. um, but when I print out invoices, it line items every single contract that I'm working on. It I, it line items the client's contract, the rates. 
for that particular uh, service and, and it gives a date and it gives the total hours worked on it so that they get like a complete snapshot of the entire project for every single invoice that they get. So it's like in project management, like a Gantt chart, but right. with numbers, <laughs> with, you know, with finances. So, which they appreciate. And, and you're right, because consulting is not cheap. And I think that it gives them an extra level of comfort to be able to say, hey, can you send me an itemized bill? Absolutely, your invoice is already itemized. You know, here's, here's what you have. Here's every single contract number that I'm working on with you. Here's the amount of time that we're billing on it. And it also, for me, as a small business, I like it because it helps to keep you in budget. So I have a lot of clients that will come to me and say, Leona, I need you to do a compliance check. This is kind of our budget. And so what I will tell them is we'll build a plan, and I'll say, okay, based upon, you know, our rate, these are the hours that you would get. When you get close to this number, I'm going to send you a big kind of like a big bold red um, notice on the bottom of your invoice that shows, hey, we're, we're, we're hitting up against your ceiling limit. So mm -hmm. let's prioritize yeah. yeah, let's prioritize the activities to make sure that you get the big ones into your cap. And then we can talk about, you know, what you want to go over, how much you want to go over, and what that looks like. Because I, for one, hate getting invoices, and I'm like, what is this? This is not exactly. what I paid for, you yeah. know? And yeah. as a small business where every dollar counts twice, I am cognizant of the fact that a budget is not a suggestion. You know, sometimes that's just really all of the money that I have. So... I can't go over it, and I treat my customers, even even if they're, you know, multi-million dollar companies, I treat them that way because that's the way that I would want to be treated. I would want someone to say, hey, I know that you um, are set at, you know, $15,000. Right now we're at ten, so I just want to make sure that we're, we're prioritizing the activities to make sure that those get included under the 15 gap, and the ones that really, really aren't that important are the ones that we can, we can look at later. And I just think that's... That's the way you do business, right? You, Absolutely. You, well, I think it's the way you do business. It's the way you maintain business, and it's the way you grow your business as well because it's also an opportunity for you to show off to the client, you know, one, you know, we're not, we're in this together. I'm right. aware and, um, of what your budget is, and then right. I'm, you know, looking at that, and I'm saying, okay, how is it that we want to spend it, but it also gives you a time to recap what you've done thus far. And mm -hmm. then, you know, lo and behold, if all the stars align, they're like, you know what, Leona, let's tack on another five. I really want to conquer this project. And you've just turned it into, you know, increasing yourself, you know, so yeah. expanding your scope of services. So I think yeah. it's a really good tool that you can utilize on a variety of fronts, not just for yourself, but also for the client. And when oh, it's yeah. been for all, that's when we've got the synergy. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I think your clients, so the, the, the thing that, that works the best about being a business owner is that you are finally, for once in your life, able to determine who you want to work with, right? Um, uh, uh, to really well, I mean, to because you do have to eat, but you are able to determine the types of clients that you go after. So when you're working for okay, someone else, you don't have any other 
you don't have any other choice, right? You, if you're punching the clock, you've got to work with, you know, Smelly Harry down the street. But if you're working for yourself, then you can say, is he really my target client? Probably not. That's not to say that you're not going to have problem clients, but it gives you um, a little more incentive to understand that it's a symbiotic relationship. It's not, you know, just you are selling stuff and they're buying things from you, right? Well, it's and, both yeah. of you. And I think that the other part of that, too, is a lot, since we're, you know, talking about we're, I hope you all like our neighborhood analogy, starter home, family home, mansion. And so with us really focusing on the starter home neighborhood and thinking about, because a lot of small businesses, too, just try to take on too much, you know, like mm. I sell paper, staples, and paper clips. I don't sell pens pencils, and markers. These are the three things that I sell. Drill down, get good at it, find your niche, you know? And yeah. I think that that's something, too, because talking about being a consultant, us doing training, it's like, where's that niche? Who's your target market, yeah. your target audience, you know? So I think that that's, um, that's important. And just because we're talking about small businesses, and I want to definitely, before we go with this episode, I want to talk about so we talked about the charter of accounts and the mm -hmm. other important thing that starter business, you must have a, wait for it, <laughs> bank account. Okay. A business bank account, not your personal must one. Have, thank you for the caveat. Because, and Leona and I, we have been discussing this all week. And so, you know, just saying as far as, um, how do we as small businesses, because you know, in the last episode we talked about advocacy and who's looking out for us, and we are firm believers in advocacy is a two-way street. I can't be like, Leona, go out here and help me do this, and, and, and you're like, okay, Vivica, be here at 10 a.m., and I'm not there at 10 a.m. You know, I'm late. I'm not pulling my part. So with all these different funding resources that the government is coming out with, they are going to require that we have some kind of banking mechanism. Mm -hmm. So you can accept I payment. I deposit the money into a cup. Yeah. Yeah. Electronically. So I know that this is a big thing for small businesses because they say it's a cost. And what I want to say is, listen, it's the cost of doing business, right? If you want yes. to be a business, you're going to have to pony me up and get some technology, right? So that means you're going to have to be able to accept payments online, especially now that we know there's going to be a new normal. You need to find ways for your customers to be able to do businesses, to do business with you easily, right? And that means accepting payments online. That means ordering online. That means video conferences. That means, you know, uh, remote training. That means, um, remote uh, consulting, all of those things you have to be able to do. And, and honestly, you should have been doing them prior to this pandemic because that is the way that it's moving. You need to be nimble and you can't ask your clients to, come, to, get, to continuously come to you, right? You yeah. should be going to them. And, and I think one of the things that we always kind of miss out on is because, you know, we're looking for that million-dollar contract, you know. Uh, yeah, but yeah. a lot of the government, they buy things off of P-card. They have yeah. a credit card. They can swipe it for you, and you can deliver services. And what a great way to introduce yourself and your company and what you can deliver by being able to take P-card. These purchases yeah. are generally smaller in scope. They yeah. don't have to go through a lot of he said, she said, you know, <laughs> it could just be like <laughs> me, you, let's go out. 
and I yeah. got my card, you know. Yeah. So it's definitely a way, but if you're not set up for that and to accept those electronic payments like Leona was talking about, you know, that is really going to take you out of the game because that's like a lot of what they were talking about with the PPP. There was a lot of small businesses that did not have, and I'm not talking about banking relationships, concierge style. Just direct deposit. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about they needed a banking account and a routing number. That's what they needed for the PPP. And I yeah. told me on a full disclosure, I was able to get the and the grant, the EIDL grant. So, um, you know, that was the grant that they first came out with that said, um, well, no, that's not true. They first came out with the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. So we applied for that. It feels like, you know, last year, but it was literally like 50 days ago. And um, applied for that. Then we um, received the email notification saying that they were going to do a grant and advance businesses $10,000. And so we um, hopped on that and immediately did that. Being responsive is key, small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so hopped in and did that. And then um, we received the email probably about maybe three weeks ago now that because the, the response was so overwhelming that instead of giving the small businesses the $10,000, they were just going to do it 1000 based on how many employees that you had. So I have to say the government, the SBA delivered on that for me, and they were able, they did do that. And so, you know, I think it's only fair that we say when they did it right and when it was like, what's this? <laughs> I agree, even if it pains me. Even if it pains me, I agree. Right? <laughs> so we got to look at it both sides. But every, what we said, that's part of the advocacy thing, you know, because yeah. there's some things that were done right. And then that question that we have to pose to small businesses is, when I take you to the dance, do you have on the right attire? <laughs> that's a hot button for me. You'll learn that I only speak in analogies. <laughs> So we can't we can't go to prom, boo, because you don't have on the right attire. So it's like, okay, we want to be able to assist you. We want to be able to help you, but I, you have to make sure that you have this, this, and this. So I can say as far as the EIDL grant, the SBA, I was able to get one of the SBA grants based off the number of employees that we had. So Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, well, they, but the thing they asked for, sorry, Leona, they asked for bank account and routing yeah. number. You have to have those. And it can't be, your, they won't take your personal stuff. So mm -hmm. um, it has to be business. Okay, so we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys for listening to us on our, our business rants. If you guys have any topics that you want to hear or, or further questions, make sure that you reach out to us uh, either on our website for the podcast, adventuresincontracting.info. Um, you can get us on Twitter um, at contracting underscore info, on Facebook, and on Pinterest. So uh, wherever you guys find us, okay. I'm sorry. Just one more quick little thing. Because I, I wanted to make sure that um, they knew what we were going to be talking about for episode four. Oh, so go we ahead. Did, we did starter family homes, and then now mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be looking family homes. So those not a starter business, maybe you've been in business for a while, looking to expand, but still how can you take advantage of these different opportunities? And what yeah. is it that we need 
as, as these expansion-esque businesses. Right. And, okay, so next, next episode we'll, we'll be talking about that. And so for this episode we talked about exclusively what starter homes will need. Um, like I said, on any of the social sites, uh, you can find us, Adventures in Contracting. We're also um, on SoundCloud. So if you have any questions or any comments, I do my best to get to comments and answer them quickly. Um, let me know if you have episodes that you would like to hear specific topics. Please, please let us know. And as always, thank you guys for listening to us. Bye. Have a great week.